24. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in the king's palaces. Good morning. It's uh, really good to be here with you and um, to have the privilege this morning of opening up God's Word with you. I come here this morning a little uneasy. In fact, I, bit, I get a, a little uneasy every time I'm invited to be a, a guest speaker or a preacher um, at a congregation that I'm not a part of. I mean, you come here this morning and you expect that uh, I might have something that's worth listening to. Something that will help you. That I'll somehow share some clever insight that somehow will make your life better. But I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, the truth is, um, the older I get, the less I seem to know. Or at least, what I'm completely assured of. When I started uh, ministry uh, around 40 years ago, I thought I knew everything and I had a lot to say. But the longer I live and the more I study, I just realize how little I truly know. So this morning I'm going to borrow someone else's outline and message. What I'm going to share with you this morning are a bunch of sayings that come from a man named Agar, the son of Jekka, who lived around 2,600 years ago. That's a long time. And he shares some wisdom, and you'll find his outline and message in the words that were just read from Proverbs chapter 30. Now, the whole book of Proverbs is about attaining wisdom, understanding words of insight. I mean, if you listen to what Agor has to say, you'll gain insight about your life. In fact, you'll find some guidance that will help you in your journey of life. I mean, if you ever find a wise person, you do well to sit at his feet. You will learn something. A wise woman will give you good counsel, and you do well to listen. I mean, I've always tried to do that in life. Whether it was to learn how to do some woodworking, or repair a motorcycle, to maybe craft a piece of furniture, understand theology, do ministry... I mean, I would look to and I would listen to men and women who are far wiser and smarter than I am. So surround yourself with wise people. Not wise guy. No wise guys, I mean, they are as numerous as roadkill on the roads in Tasmania. Now look for people who are truly wise. Because they are as scarce as sightings of the Tasmanian tiger. Now, Agar tells us that there are four things on earth that are extremely wise. They're little. They're just small things. And he goes to tell us about ants or hyraxes, or I'd like to call them conies, locusts, and lizards. <laughs> it sounds a little bit absurd, doesn't it? I mean, who has one of these animals as their pet? 
I mean, who comes home from work and takes their coney out for a walk around the block? I mean, if you find a locust or a lizard in your house, you probably would do what I would do. You would step on it, or at least shoo it outside. Yet Agar tells us that these four little things are extremely wise. Wisdom in little things. Now you think that if Agar was around today and he was going to show us some wisdom, he would tell us about Albert Einstein, you know, the German-born theoretical physicist who developed the theory of relativity, and I don't even know what I said. I mean, or the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, I mean, the longest-serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century, and the first woman to hold that office. Or perhaps Alvin Plantinga, who Christians and atheists agree that he's probably the wisest living philosopher in our day today. Or at least Agar could have chosen one of his contemporaries, King Solomon, someone who the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 4, that he was wiser than any other person in the world. But Agar doesn't go up. He doesn't go up to those who have scaled up the ladder of success and knowledge. Instead he goes down. Maybe I'll get the other one. Can you just switch this up for me? Agar doesn't go up to those who have scaled up, give the next slide, who have scaled up the ladder of success and knowledge. Instead, he goes down, way down, and tells us of four things, four little things on earth that are so small, but yet they are extremely wise. Four little things that will give you wisdom and insight for living your days. Like ants. Look at the next slide. He tells us ants are of ants are creatures of little strength, that they store up their food in the summer. I mean, ants tell us what season we are in, what time it is. Out of the instincts of the past, they use the present to prepare for the future. They know that winter is coming, and so today, in the summer, when food will be scarce in the winter, they start storing up the food in the summer so that when winter comes, they'll have plenty to sustain life. Now, there are some people in life who only live in the past. They remember the good old days of yesteryear. And they long for those days to return, and they love to sing, Those were the days, my friend. I wish they'd never end. I mean, they keep going through life by looking in the rearview mirror. Their closets at home are full of memory books, immortalized in photo books. Remember when? And then they finger through each and every page. They love to talk about all the good things that they have done in the past. But you know, if if all you can think about is the good that you have done in the past, probably not doing a lot of good today. Well, some people live in the past. Other people only live for the future. I mean, when I graduate from high school, then I'll finally have arrived. When I get married, 
then life will be good. Or when we have children, then life will be complete. When our children leave home, then we can really begin to live. <laughs> or when I retire, that's when the good life will begin. And for believers, for followers of Jesus, when I go to heaven, then God will make all things right. So we live for the future. Some live in the past, some live for the future, and other people only live for today. Eat, drink, and be merry is their slogan in life. Why worry about tomorrow when you can live it up today? And so they pop a pill, they shoot their veins, they sleep around, they spend their money. Because today only matters. But not the ant. While you're sitting with your family, having a picnic at Cataract Gorge Reserve, eating your snag and washing it down with the lemonade, the ant is working. One by one, the little grains of sugar are being lifted off your sweets, and if you stick a little around long enough, they're going to start going after your chips. For they know what time it is. It's summer. Winter's coming. Knowing the past, they use the present to prepare for the future. And for all of us, Winter is coming. Winter comes in so many different ways. You get the report from the doctor that you're battling cancer. Your boss tells you that your position has become redundant. Your wife walks out on you and your kids. Or age has crept in one year at a time and with it comes loneliness, fear, and uncertainty. What you take into that situation is what will is what exactly what you will have to carry you all the way through. I mean winter is also coming in our society. The cold, brutal Arctic air is blowing. And that's not just because we live in Tasmania. I mean we see the blast of winter all around us. The increase in acceptance of sexual immorality the lack of dignity given to life from conception to the grave, the woke agenda of the LGBTQ and gender fluidity, the widespread denial of biblical truth in society. My friends, we need to be prepared for the future by what we do today. I mean, this week, the National Synod of the CRCA is going to meet in these facilities, and winter is also coming in the CRCA. With about 25% of our churches currently vacant, having no pastor to shepherd them, and with more retirements of pastors looming into the future, there's a huge, huge shortage of gospel workers in our churches. And we need to be prepared for the future by what we are doing today to raise up gospel workers. I believe the biblical writers would have applied this especially to young people. As another preacher said, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. I mean, when it is summer, get to know your creator. Read his word. Meditate on it. 
Memorize it. Get it into your head and into your heart. As Agar tells us, every word of God is flawless. Feed on his word. Store it up in your heart. For winter is coming. Every elderly person will tell you that. There'll come a time when your memory fades. And you cannot do anymore what you did when you were young. You might not even recognize your family members anymore. The days of trouble will come. And when winter comes, the word of God that you have stored up in your heart will carry you through the long, cold winter days ahead. The ant is extremely wise. They prepare for the winter during the summer. Then Agar tells us about the conies. He tells us that conies are little creatures of little power, but they make their home in the crags. I mean, conies, you probably never met one, they're little rock badgers. They're not bigger than a chipmunk or a squirrel. They're brown in color and they make their home in the crevices of the rock. They go into the sides of the hills and the mountains. I mean, they know if they wander out into the open field, they would be no match for an eagle or a cougar or some other predator. And so they live near rock formations. And they hide themselves in the crevices of the rock. I mean, conies, they tell us where our security lies. It lies in the rock. And the biblical writers would have applied the rock to God. I mean, earlier in this chapter, Agar tells us that God is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And if you page through the book of Psalms, you read things like this. Oh, God be in our rock. He's my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. My defense and God, my rock, is my refuge. God is the rock of our salvation. Dakoni knows that her security lies in the rock. Now imagine for a moment that a bunch of conies would get together for a Bible study. Like maybe they would do this growth initiative that's happening here at um, Riverbank. Now some of the conies, I mean, they want to talk about how high the rock is. Others want to talk about how wide the rock is. Still others would want to talk about how strong the rock is. And then there are those who like us to remember that the rock is in the middle of everywhere. So the rock is not just for conies, it's for everybody. Well, sometimes it's like this in churches. <laughs> we do a lot of talking about the rock. We discuss theology at length. We listen to sermons. I mean, we might even pop in some earbuds and go to sleep with podcasts in our ears. I mean, as another preacher once said, of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study, much listening wearies the body. You know, as Reformed Christians, I mean, we pride ourselves that, you know, we're so big on knowledge, knowledge about God and the Bible. Tomorrow and the rest of the week, as Synod of the CRCA is going to meet, everyone's going to have a lot to say. And we like talking about the church. 
what we think about what matters. But how to do ministry in the 21st century. I mean, sometimes the debates can be long and complicated and just goes on and on. Now, theology is important. And there's nothing wrong about debate and discussions. But in the end, it's not what you know about the rock that matters. It's not what you know about God that matters. It's not what you know about the Bible that matters. It's not what you know about church doctrine that matters. When all is said and done, what really matters is whether or not you hide yourself in the rock. Do you find your security in no other place but God? Is your security only in Christ? Do you trust in God and in Him alone? Oh, by the way, if you ever attend a Coney's worship service, you would feel right at home because their most favorite hymn that they like to sing is Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide myself in thee. They probably love that first song that we sang as we started worship today as well. Nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart, close to thy breast. A coney is extremely wise. They know where our security lies. It lies in the rock. Ben Agar tells us, locusts, they have no king. Yet they advance together in ranks. Now if you have one locust, one grasshopper, not really an issue. I mean, I find them in our garden. Oh, there they are munching on our veggies or they're in our flowers and they're destroying our flower plants. I mean, if I find them, I simply shoo them away. Remove them from our gardens. But if you have a swarm of locusts, the results can be unbelievable. But that's what locusts do. They advance together in ranks. Well, they might not, you know, have a king, but they do battle together. I mean, a swarm of locusts could be billions in number, and they could cover thousands of square kilometers, and they could eat as much as 30 to 40,000 tons of food per day. No wonder a swarm of locusts is called a plague. Locusts. They tell us where our strength lies. Our strength, our power is in community and being together. I mean, the biblical writers would have applied that to the people of God. You know, the covenant community in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament. It's interesting if you open up the New Testament, the word that describes the people of God most often is the word saints, and it's never in the singular, it's always in the plural. A few pages later, further down in the Bible, you have these words. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to pick him up. Also, if two lie down together, they're going to keep warm. But how can you keep warm alone? The one might be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Two is always better than one. 
We cannot do battle alone as believers. We're better together. We need each other. I mean, I need you. And you need me. And we need each other if we're going to stand up strong. I mean, we find in our life, and maybe that's true in this church as it is true in the church that we're part of in Queensland. I mean, too many people fall in life. Morally. Spiritually. Physically. Emotionally. Because they're just lone rangers. They don't surround themselves with other believers. I mean, when Jesus was on earth, he had a band of brothers, the 12 disciples. He also had a group of women who followed him around and provided for them so that they would be supported in ministry. And when Jesus sent out his followers into the communities, he always sent them two by two. The Apostle Paul was also not a lone ranger. In the letter to the Romans, he tells us about Adrinicus, Junius, Urbanus, Timothy, Lucius, Jason, and Tertius, and a whole list of women. I mean, these were the people that stood by Paul throughout his ministry and with him in ministry. And in his very last letter, written from prison, he tells that only Luke is with him now. Good old, faithful Luke. Oh, it's good to have a physician with you when you get old. But Luke was not enough. He also asked if Timothy and Mark could come. Because Paul knew that if he was going to fight the good fight of faith right to the end, he would need a whole band of people around him. And so do we. All around us today we see families that are broken, children who are confused, people who are lost and wandering, we see the growing immorality in our society. We see a world at war. And we battle against consumerism, secularism, communism, Darwinism, humanism, and all the other isms of our day. And our strength to do battle is found in community. We need each other. We need each other as brothers and sisters in the church. And what a wonderful initiative that you're planning here at Launceston. To say, hey, no, we're going to get together in little groups of two and three and just support one another. Why do you do that? Because we need each other, lest we fall. And as local churches, we need the other churches around us. The other Christians in Launceston and further down to Tamar Valley. We need to remember that we need each other. We also need to remember that as the CRCA. I mean, we can so easily default to the local church and forget that we are part of a much larger group of people in a classes and in a denomination. Churches that have our best interest in mind and, and churches that we can support and encourage and help. The prophet Zephaniah, he spoke about the redeemed and restored community of faith of people and these people would sh serve God shoulder to shoulder. Isn't that a beautiful image? Shoulder to shoulder. May that be true of this church, in your family. And may it be true of us as a denomination that we serve God shoulder to shoulder as individuals, as various work groups, as various churches throughout our denomination because we're stronger together than we are alone.
locusts are extremely wise because they know where our strength lies. Our strength lies in community. And the fourth thing that Agar mentions is this. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. I remember the first time we ever saw one of those lizards, as you know, from my accent. I thought you did, but I have one. But I, I lived in Canada, and every summer we would go down to Florida, and we would stay at my friend's condo right there on the Gulf of Mexico, the beautiful place. But when we went there, we'd always see those little lizards, those little geckos, you know, climbing up and down the walls. And I mean, we would be up on the sixth floor, and they even got up to the sixth floor, and I always wondered, how do they get there? Did they crawl up on the outside? I mean, did they take the stairway, or did they take the elevator? I mean, they're everywhere. And then I moved to Australia. <laughs> they're all over the house. Well, those little lizards, those little geckos, are also found in king's palaces. Now, if you and I would go down to the UK and we'd want to see the Queen, we would not find ourselves in Windsor or Buckingham Palace. Yet a lizard is found in the palaces of kings. Oh, maybe it's just too cold and wet in the UK as it is in Canada, but go down to the island of Tonga and you can be sure that you would find a lizard in the palace of King Tupelo VI. We might not have an audience with a king, but a lizard does. So we try to make sense of that. A lizard in king's palaces, it doesn't belong there. Yet it's there. You know, this describes for me the incredible nature of God's grace. All of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Men, women, children, churches, communities, countries. There's no one that does good. No one who's perfect. Yet Jesus, the one who is called the King of Kings, tells us, that he's preparing a place in a palace for people, for you and me. <coughs> Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize that I am more and more like a lizard. I'm a sinner, sinful from the time of my birth, and yet Jesus, Jesus is preparing a place for me. There's a room being prepared for me in his father's house. Now that's good news for lizards. And that's good news for people like you and me. We don't belong in that place where Jesus is preparing for us. But because he went to the cross and he took our shame and he paid the penalty of our sins, we are forgiven completely. Sin and death were conquered as Jesus arose from the dead. And just a couple of weekends ago, we gathered together as Christian communities and we remembered those events. Those are real events that assured us that we too will have a place in the palace of a king. 
Because of Jesus, one day you and I will have an audience with the King of Kings forever. This is something to believe in. Something to put your trust in. Perhaps you, like me, are here today and you too realize that you are more and more like a lizard. I mean, you hear of heaven, but your life is more like a hell. And you wonder, do I really belong there? Is it really true? Is it really true that there is a place that God, eternal God, is preparing for me with Him forever? Can I believe that? Well, my friend, that's you. Maybe I'm just speaking to you today. I want you to look at the lizard. Every time you look at a gecko, listen to them. Because they are extremely wise. Extremely wise. Learn from the lizard. You might not belong there, but there is a place in the palace for you. And for you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. For sinners like you and me. So that we too can have a place with God forever. And tell us about the importance. About preparing for the winter. By what we do today. Storing up God's word in our heart. Doing those Christian practices that will sustain us right through into old age until the Lord calls us home. Conies tell us to find our security not in the church, not in people, not even the doctrines of our faith, but to find our security in one place and one place alone, and that security is in the rock, the rock of ages that was cleft for us. Locusts tell us, whatever you do in life, don't do it alone. Get a band of people around you, some brothers, some sisters, that will spur you on to love and good deeds, to help you to stay the course. I'm thankful throughout my life, I've had people in my life always surrounding me so that I can complete the course of ministry, but also beyond that, to be a follower of Jesus forever until he calls me home. And lizards tell us about the incredible nature of God's grace. Believe it. There's a place being prepared for you in the palace of the king. Because of Jesus, you also belong there. So the next time you see an ant, or a coney, or a lizard, or a locust, Sit at its feet. That is if you can find them. Because they have a lot to teach us. And my friends, we have a lot to learn. Let us pray. <coughs> Father, thank you for the wonders of your creation. All these little things in life teach us such extreme wisdom. 
these truths that can guide us in life for today and in future. And Spirit of God, as you have impressed these truths on our hearts and lives, may we now live it as we believe it and put our trust in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.